Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. If you enjoyed worshiping the Lord tonight, say a hearty amen with me right now. Would you do that? Amen. Amen. You know, my brother and I were talking for the service tonight about the old days growing up in the church years and years ago. You know, back in those days, things got a little spirited in church. People would say amen once in a while and praise the Lord and hallelujah. I remember at a church where my dad was pastoring when I was a young boy, there was a saint by the name of Sister Trabert. And whenever she got blessed, she got out her handkerchief. And she'd take that old handkerchief. Now, some of you youngins won't know anything about this, but some of us old dogs, we remember that. And then she'd start waving the hanky. And then if she got super blessed, she'd start running the aisles. And I remember as a kid saying, this is more fun than a circus. You know, watching <laughs> Sister Trabert do that. I oftentimes wondered years later, I wonder if the health department knew about that, waving that hanky around. But it's just so good to be able to be together tonight. So what I want to do, I may need some help tonight preaching. It's Sunday night, and some of you had a good nap, and you're ready to go. Some of you didn't. But I wonder if, if I could just help you with something. So here's what I need tonight. I'm just going to, as we do this, divide you into three sections, okay? Over here, we're going to have the amen corner. So I want people on this side over here, Pastor, you're going to lead them tonight. And, and, and if I just point to you, I just want you to say amen, okay? I may need that a little later on tonight. If I get in the weeds, you can kind of pull me out, okay? So I'm going to point to you, and when I point to you, you're going to say? Amen. That was pretty weak. When I point to you, I'm going to say? Amen. Now over here, you're going to be the, you're going to be the praise the Lord group, okay? So when I point to you, you're just going to say together, Praise the Lord. Ready? Praise the Lord. Oh, that's good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now you out here to my right, you're the hallelujah people. Now I know you're going to be a little shy and bashful, but I think you got it in you. You can do it. So when I point to you, I need a hallelujah tonight. Okay? Are you ready? So let's just see. You're going to have to go a little extra loud to kind of get it all the way over here to the other side of town. Okay? So here we go. Yours is the hallelujah. And I point to you and you say, hallelujah. Oh, I like those people. They're good. Let's stand for the benediction. <laughs> you did such a good job. You did such a good job. You know, when you come into places like this, you, you want to make sure you're all set. And, and here I am in new territory. And you're wondering who's this Amish guy from Indiana, you know, what's going on with him. And, and then they wire me up, get me all wired, you know, like I'm going into outer space and, and they get me all wired up. And sometimes we as pastors get a little nervous with these wireless mics that go because they say, just leave it on the whole time. We know how to control the mic. Yeah, uh-huh. A pastor in, in, in Texas was doing a wedding and he had his wireless mic on. He, he, they told him just leave it on. He got up and stood up and said incredible things about the couple. Just raved on them. Went back to his seat to sit down while another pastor did the ceremony. And when he sat in his seat, he turned to his wife, true story, and said, isn't that the ugliest bride you've ever seen? <laughs> and now there's a church in Texas looking for a pastor. <laughs> so I want to thank you guys that run the sound, that you protect me, and you do that. 
Let's pray together. Father God, now as we take a few moments tonight, open your word. We really need you. Now, I remember, Father, one time when you spoke through a donkey. And I figure if you could do that through an animal, you might be able to do that through a person. And so tonight, Father, I just pray that you take my lips and anoint them. I pray, Father, the word of God would just shine. And I pray when we close our time together, that there would just be a hunger to simply say, Lord, I need you. I need you afresh and anew. Thank you, Father. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone together said, Amen. Amen. My heart is the local church. I just love the church. I've given my life to it. I grew up as a preacher's son. My father was a district superintendent. And all I've known is the church. I married a pastor's daughter. And so there's nothing more I love to see than the church of Jesus Christ be all God's called it to be. Now, in order for that to happen, I love to see his people be all that God's called them to be. I like to see his people catch fire. People come to me today and they say, Dave, what is it that the church needs today? What is it the people need? I go to a lot of different places and I hear people tell me, you know what, if our church just had a different building, we could really get this thing going. And there's nothing wrong with buildings. In fact, if you came and visited us, we built seven different times. We've got roof lines all over the place. We, look you, we make you look highly organized here because we're just scattered all over the place as we do it. But it's not just buildings. Every once in a while I meet someone who says, well, if our church just had better music, better worship, why we just need to have better music and we need the best we can have. And I was thankful for this morning and so thankful for tonight. But I don't think the answer is going to be just better music or worship in itself. Well, then some people say, if we just had better preaching, well, I am a preacher and I know we can do a lot better, but you could bring the best preaching you've ever had, but that will not suffice in itself. What is it that we need? And I'm convinced more than anything with all my heart in the times we live in, what we need, what we desperately need is to understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's worth an, and that's worth a. And that's worth a, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We aren't going to do this thing living victoriously in uncharted territory unless we experience what truly is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you can have the best of music. You can have the best of preaching. You can have the best of buildings. But God wants his people to experience what it is to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to a very familiar passage of Scripture. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, as Paul is writing a group of people, and the first three chapters of Ephesians are very doctrinal in nature. He gets a very strong theological foundation. And then in chapters 4, 5, and 6... He kind of takes the people back and says, now I want to talk turkey to you. And I want to talk to you individually about your own heart and your own life. For me, the culmination of the book of Ephesians is in chapter 5 and verse 17. He looks at the church individually and corporately together and says, I love this verse of scripture that he says. He says in verse, in verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, instead, be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm convinced that as we go through our spiritual journey, I would gather to say, venture to say, that most everybody here tonight knows what it is to be born again. I pray you know what it is to consecrate yourself and say, God, here I am. I'm just going to give you everything. We kind of take it back sometimes after we give it. I pray you know what it is to experience the deeper work where the Holy Spirit comes and cleanses our heart and fills us. He deals with our nature and takes and we die to the old and we come alive to the new. But in this verse of scripture, he's talking about something very unique. The tense he uses to describe this is and be continually filled and refilled and refilled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to be really blunt tonight and ask you a very bold question. Tonight, if I were to hook a gauge to you and I were to ask you, are you really living right now filled full of God's Spirit? Are you really living right now empowered by the Holy Spirit? Do you really live at a point where you say, God, I can sense you're flowing through me. I can sense I'm yielded to you. Learn what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to take the time to, to unpack all of this, but in chapter 5, you're going to see him talk about the danger of being filled with all kinds of other things. In fact, it's kind of fascinating to me. He says, I want you to be filled with the Spirit in contrast to being filled with other things. He talks about being filled with substance, being filled with self, being filled with pleasure. He talks about issues of sexuality and sexual conduct in this chapter. It's right there in the Bible. He talks about greed. It's easy to be filled full of wanting more. I want a little bit more. I want to hold to myself and take what's mine, and this is mine, and I want to hold it. He said, God, cut this out. I don't want you to go through life being filled full of greed and wanting more. I want you to learn what it is to open up. He talks about you're going to try to medicate yourself. And in the world we live in, in the uncharted territory we're going through, it's so easy to medicate ourselves. We're going to find something to numb the pain that we go through in life. And he talks about that in this passage of Scripture. And he says, don't be filled full of all those other things. Instead, really know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because in verse 15, he says, the days we're living in, you need to be wise. It demands wisdom to live in these days. We're going through all kinds of shifts. What used to be wrong is now right. And what used to be right is now wrong. And we can't figure out what in the world is going on. We've lost our compass. And we're kind of wondering out there. And he says, I need wisdom in my life. There's rarely a day go by that I don't pray for wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Wisdom to know what to say. Wisdom to know how to act. Wisdom to interface with people. I have a default mechanism I use in my quiet times. Whenever they get really thin, I default to the book of Proverbs. And I match it out to the day, the number of day of the month it is. So today is March 20th. I would default to Proverbs 20 when it gets real thin. And you know what I've discovered? There is incredible wisdom. I've been through Proverbs so many times. And every time I go through, the Lord says, you haven't got it down yet, buddy. Just keep reading and keep working on it. You need wisdom. He talks about that. He talks about the fact that as you go through this thing, there's an enemy in chapter 6 that's out to scheme us. And let me tell you what. The enemy in chapter 6 verse 11 is doing a masterful work even in the body of Christ. 
He's trying to per- turn us into passive people. He's trying to turn us into inward focus. He's trying to get our eyes just kind of holding on till Jesus comes. The enemy is scheming in every way he can. He says, I want you to be filled with my spirit. Now, I want to work with you tonight on three things that I think are so critical. And these are kind of the gauges we're going to use on where we're at. Because I sense tonight, even in my own journey, it's like, God, I need to be freshly filled and baptized if I'm going to be the person you've called me to be. If I'm not just going to limp to the finish line, but I'm going to be an overcomer, I need something special in my life. So I want to give you these three ideas. It's essential to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The first one I want to give you, and I'm just going to write it down. You may not see it over there to the side, but I'm just going to write this down. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about your song. I want to talk to you about your song. Do you still have a song in your heart? Now look at what he says to the church. Look at how he does this in verse 18. He says, don't go out and get drunk with wine. In essence, what he says, get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on. Look at how he words this here. He goes on and says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs sing and make music in your heart to the Lord have you lost your song have you lost that thing in your heart that excitement that joy now the song is symbolic of the deep joy that the Holy Spirit gives us in the midst of in the midst of challenging times. How how are you doing with your song? Do you still have that joy? Uh, It says in scripture, finish this verse with me, okay? We can talk to each other, it's okay. Finish this verse. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, logically you understand, if you lose your joy, what have you lost? If I lose my joy, I've lost my So how are you doing with your song? Sing. Sing, it says. Sing. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Now what's really interesting is he says this. He talks about this in the context of a choir and not a solo. Because remember, he's talking to a group of people. He said, I want you all together. Just to have this atmosphere in this environment. There's a joyful environment. There's a joyful environment. I want you to do this together with each other. I am a big believer. I am a big believer that it's possible to borrow and loan encouragement and joy to other people. I'm just a big believer in that. Remember in scripture where one time Paul said to the Corinthians, your meetings do more harm than good. And he kind of spanks them a little bit. Because instead of them lifting each other up, they're dragging each other down. When the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, he gives joy unspeakable and full of glory. How are you doing on your song? How are you doing on your song? Let me me just ask you a very blunt question. And we talked about a little bit this morning. In this uncharted territory we're going through, as we watch the news, and as we see everything that's happening in the world today, are you turning into a grouch? Come on now. 
Are you turning into a bit of a grouch? Now, it is easy to complain. I could talk to you about Washington, D.C. I talk to you about gas taxes in Illinois. I mean, I could talk to you about all kinds of stuff. Don't let anything or anyone steal your joy. Don't let them do it. Don't let them do it. I've, I've told Christy at times, I come home, I say, I'm just going to have to turn the news off. The world may have blown up. I've just about had all I can take. I've got to get in the good news that he is king of kings, he is lord of lords, that God has a plan, it will be accomplished. There is no one who's ever come to power that is stronger than God. And they can threaten a war, they can threaten nuclear weapons, they can blow up the economy. He is still in charge of everything that happens. That's worth an And that's worth a And that's worth a big Don't you ever forget that. Don't lose your joy. When you lose your joy, you've lost your strength. And you're not going to operate in the power of the Spirit. You're going to spend all your time running worst case scenarios through your mind. Learn to borrow and loan courage to each other. Now, I, I just have to tell you this. I was blessed before the service started this morning. Because I had the opportunity to walk around and visit with some of you. Heard a couple of your stories. I loved it. I loved it. You know what happened when I did that? You kind of raised my level of joy up a little bit. A couple of you shared some of the hardest stuff you've been through, and there was a smile on your face. And you know what? God's going to do what God's going to do. And I thought to myself, thank you, because you loaned me courage. Now, I'm going to step on one here that's a little bit tricky. And I was never asked to say this. But I want you to borrow and loan courage to your pastor and his team. Because I'll let you in on a secret. It's harder today than it's ever been. And the reason I'm still in ministry at the age I'm in is because there's a group of people that just kept that. They, they loaned me courage. They loaned me joy. When there were times that I was going far too fast, far too hard. They carried me. I couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure out when I preached. When I preached, I did something that was really kind of strange. Now, I am left-handed. I'm left-handed. Anybody here in the room left-handed? Oh, I love you. Keep them up. All you left-handed people, keep them up. I want to tell you something. It has been proven medically that everyone in this world is born left-handed. Did you know that? And they stay that way till they sin. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I couldn't figure out why when I preached. I got some of you on that one. I couldn't figure out why when I preached, I was always gravitate to the right side. And when I stand up and speak, I would find myself looking right more than I would look left. And it seemed kind of odd because I'm left-handed. I would dominate to the left naturally. And then one day, it hit me. Because in that left, right-hand side, were some of the old saints of the church. Bessie and Dave and Willie and Dora. And, and, and I could just go through name after name after name. And they were the ones that just became cheerleaders for the body of Christ. They stood, they prayed, they supported, they gave. And I found myself, as I was speaking, getting energy from them. And getting encouragement from them. Sorry about everybody on the left-hand side. 
the Lord's going to have to work on you because these people over here can, and you can do that to each other. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Say that together with me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Say it together again louder. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So in uncharted territory, you have to learn what it is to keep the joy level high. Leviticus 6 is really interesting. Leviticus 6 says, Leviticus 6 says, don't let the fire go out on the altar. It's a fascinating study. Fascinating study. It's an Old Testament typology of managing your heart. And really what it's saying is, don't let the fire go out on your personal altar. Don't do it. Don't let anything rain on that fire. I'm a pyromaniac by nature. I love large fires. I just love it. We've got a fire pit at home. We've got a fireplace and another little park model unit we've got. We've got two fireplaces in the house. There's nothing better than a fire. I always say the bigger the fire, the better the fire. And people will understand, are you going to burn the neighborhood down? Let me tell you, I want a fire that big in my own heart so I can just shine brightly for him. So don't lose your song. Don't lose your song. And I think some of us are starting to lose our song. I think all of a sudden this thing's become kind of drudgery. We're just going to make it through till Jesus comes. Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Could you come tonight? Come tomorrow. Get me out of this mess. We've lost our joy. Go on. There's a second one he talks about. In chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, he talks about be filled with the Spirit. So he says, whatever you do, don't lose your song. You don't want to lose your song. You've got to keep your song. Here's another one. This has to do with this thing called attitude. Attitude. So how's your attitude? How's your attitude? Now look at how he does this one. He says in verse 20, he says, always. Do you know what in the Greek, if you take this apart, do you know what the word always means in the Greek? Always. It means always. Always. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. You know, there's two absolute words there. Always and everything. Always and everything. Now, what he's trying to talk to us about here is a shift in our attitude. Uh, Philippians, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. There's this attitude transformation. One of the things you will see in the early church that happened was this incredible transformation of their attitude. Peter, what happened when the Holy Spirit got a hold of Peter? Here he is denying Jesus, running all over the place. I don't know who he is. All of a sudden he stands up before thousands of people and says, this is Jesus whom you crucified. God transformed his mind and he shifted his mind. How is your attitude? I could talk to you about some stinking thinking, but I'm not going to do it. You've heard it said a thousand times. And this is an old business motivational thing. Your, your attitude determines your altitude. How high you can go in life. And he says, I want you to have the mind of Christ Jesus in all you do. The attitude of gratitude becomes the very nature of who you are. Can I just tell you something? When people get around you, they can tell very quickly what type of attitude you have. They can pick it up. You know what I ought to do is I ought to ask if you're married, your husband and wife, hey, how's, how's his attitude? How's her attitude? They'll tell you how the attitude is. That'll get a little close to home, won't it? If you're going to do it. You see, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
you begin to have this mind that, that does not think in a particular... It's a mind of thankfulness, gratefulness. It's a mind of incredible generosity. It's not a mind of scarcity. It's a mind of abundance and sharing. Let this mind be in you. May you have this attitude, always giving thanks for everything. Two absolute words, always and everything. And even when things don't go well, you say, God, I'm going to trust you. Because as I talked about this morning... There's an upper story that's going on. Your, the, the lower story just is wicked. But I'm going to trust you, God, that there's an upper story that's going to be absolutely incredible. And that's the way God works. Two people that I just loved. I met them when I was just probably in grade school. They were farmers in Bedford, Iowa, Taylor County. Now, let me just tell you a secret. When I drove across on 88 and got off in Dixon and came here, I thought this is some pretty amazing farmland. Having a father who grew up on the South Dakota prairie and grew up as a farming kid, I can tell good land. And there's some really rich land, some rich soil as I came along 88. Taylor County, Iowa is some of the poorest land you'll see to farm on. It's all hilly. The soil is not that great. And there was a farm family there. Bill and Helen Moon were their names. Bill was a hog farmer. Had a little bit of land he rented. Lived in a house that was pretty dilapidated. Had his hogs. Had a little bit of crop. He had boys my age. And I remember going over when my dad would go over to their church. And Bill and Helen always cooked a good... Helen was an amazing cook. And one day, I heard the story of Bill and Helen losing their farm. They couldn't make it anymore. Crop failure. Hog prices dropped. And I remember that whole time, Bill and Helen kept something in their heart that was absolutely amazing. They just loved Jesus. I had the opportunity, years later, to preach both of their funerals. Drove back to that part of Iowa to preach their funerals. You know what Bill and Helen always told me? They said, in the midst of losing our farm, and you need to understand, a farm is a farmer's identity. It is his identity. He said, in the midst of losing our farm, we discovered that God had something better for us. And they spent the last 25 years of their life in missions work. I met up with them in Honduras. They were in Bolivia. They were in Mexico. Everywhere. And they said, the key for us was, was trusting God. They never lost their song, and they kept their attitude as an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. So, so how's your attitude? How are you doing on the attitude thing? Come on now. Do you find yourself just full of praise for the Lord? Do you find yourself worshiping Him? Do you find yourself, when you sing those songs, something inside you says, that, that's my story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Let me take you to the last one. The last one he says, if you're going to make it through uncharted territory, and you're going to do this as a body of believers here at Sterling First Nazarene, and you're going to do that individually, he said, let's talk about your relationships. This is really interesting. He starts off and says, don't lose your song. Watch your attitude. And then he said, I want to talk to you about your relationships with each other. How are you doing on this thing of one another? Because when you are not doing well on this thing of one another, 
It's a gauge. It's a telltale sign that you're ready for a fresh dose of the Holy Spirit. You're ready to be filled again and again and again. Now, this is fascinating. Look at how he does this. He does this starting actually in verse 21. He said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Just, just, you don't have to have your way. Just, just learn what it is not to have to have your way all the time. Wives, the husbands are saying, preach on this one, Dave. Wives, submit your husbands, submit to your husbands as the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. He's the boss. Some guys think. Head of the wife is Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is Savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, and the ladies are saying, come on, buddy. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Just gave himself up. He just, he just said, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to die for you. Now, when you take this passage of Scripture, and I'm not going to have time to totally take it all apart. The concept is very simple. That when our relationships go squirrely and things get a little rocky, it's a good sign that there's a spirit deficiency in us. That we're not doing well. We're just not doing well. So, how are you doing in your relationships? Now, I don't know much about this church. Denny and I have not talked much. I don't know the stories. But I do know churches. I know sometimes in churches relationships get just a little rocky at times. I know in families. I'm in a family. Families can get a little rough. I know in marriages. There are times that Christy's not easy to live with. <laughs> it's me. I'm not easy to live with. When I was in college, I, I pastored a, a community church. It was a two-year college pastor I had. It was an amazing church. Those ladies made the best cinnamon rolls you could ever eat. And they'd always invite me to the ladies' aid meetings, and it was something to have. And then I was a lot skinnier and had this young pastor come in. And, man, I just, this is a highlight of my month was to go to their, and I was the only guy there. And they all want to make sure I ate something they made. And so I obliged. I just ate everything they made and a little bit of everything. And cinnamon rolls were great. This little church was a merger of nine different denomination backgrounds. So this was wild like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they, you had to be very politically correct. Because in this church, some people baptized by sprinkling. Some people baptized by immersion. Some people didn't believe in physical baptism. It was something spiritual that happened. And, and so I, I, it was really tricky for me to navigate that. But they were great people. And I loved them. One time, we had the opportunity to have two ladies who were singers from the West Coast come and sing at our church. And I was so excited. Little country church, 50, 60 people. And here we're going to get two of these big time gals from the West Coast. are going to come, Jean and Joanne. They're going to come and sing. And I promoted that thing. This was the biggest thing that ever happened in that little country church. And I was so excited about it. The night before, they came to me and said, Dave, we have this thing we do. It's a little puppet show we have. Now, you got to understand, back in those days, Bert and Ernie were real young and Sesame Street. And this was kind of the rage, you know. And, and, and they said, this thing is, I thought, this is the greatest thing we've ever had. And so I said, tell you what, how about at the end of the Sunday school time, if we just let you guys do a 10-minute puppet show? 
Now, in those days, in Sunday school, in that little church, the women would be on one side, the men would be on the other side. If you ever got bored, you'd just go listen to what they were saying. And being ADHD was so much fun. I could bounce back and forth mentally. But when Sunday school is over, we're going to have the puppet show. And this is going to be the best thing that's ever hit this little town of Wright, Iowa. And so... About 15 minutes before Sunday school is over, they go over and they set their little stage up. They get it all set. and I'm just feeling pretty good about it. Now, every church, except this one, tends to have one man and one woman that maybe just have a little more control than they should. They just, they just, they're kind of like the church boss. And, 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 and we had one guy that, that just really had the gift of, 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 of being the boss. And that was his spiritual gift. And he was quite the guy. And he saw that puppet stage go up. And he grabbed me and said, come here. And he grabbed one of the head elders of the church and said, come back here. We went back in this little foyer. And I sensed he wasn't happy about something. His face got just beat red. Just beat red. And whenever he'd get mad, he had this one vein that went right down here. And that old vein would go like this. And he'd start thobbing real fast. Do, 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 do. And he said, I'm not happy. And I thought, well, who are the other dwarfs? I mean, what in the world's going on here? You're not happy. Which one are you? And he, I didn't say anything like that. And he just going. And he looked at me and he pointed his finger in my face. And he said, Pastor, there won't be puppets in this church. And I felt like saying, well, every pastor you've ever had has been a puppet. But I didn't say it. <laughs> Thought it, but I didn't say it. I learned something that day. You don't always have to have your way in life. You don't always have to have your way. I learned that the power of God is going to be restricted when you get people that simply say, it's my way or the highway. You get a husband or a wife or a child or a church or any organization where people don't know what it is to die to their need to be in charge, their need to be in control. He says, submit to one another. Just submit to one another. Is it worth fighting over? Is it worth dying? Unless it's a biblical absolute that you're going to draw as a dot, there's a box that we can live inside of. And we can say, you know what, on this one, I can take a pass on this one. I don't have to have my way. Just turn to someone beside you right now and say that right now. I don't have to have my way. Oh boy, revival is going to break out in the church right now. I can see it happening. <laughs> Now that's what he says when this thing happens, when the Holy Spirit comes down, all of a sudden, this thing affects our relationships with each other. Do you know what my prayer is for you? Is that God will take a relationship that is broken and fill you so that you can simply say, I want to learn what it is to submit. I want to learn what it is to get along. I want to learn what it is to do this thing right. That God would take this church and this church should be so filled full of people filled with the Holy Spirit. They'll say, man, as long as it reaches lost people, let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's see God do a work and baptize us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh touch of God's Spirit in our lives. Amen. We need a fresh touch of God's Spirit on our gatherings. Yeah. 
The time has passed for us to keep on doing what we've always done. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. It's time for us to simply say, God, would you breathe upon us in a new way? Baptize us with a power like we've never seen. Use us like we've never been used. This is the day. This is the opportunity for us to storm the gates of hell and declare there's one hope, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And it'll only happen as God's people know what it is to say, God, start a fire in my heart. Burn me, burn me, burn me, and let me glow for you. I want to be filled afresh and anew with the power of the Spirit of God in my life. I'm tired and done with half-heartedness. I'm tired and done with shallow living. I'm tired and done with going through the motions. God, I want you one more time to touch me and fill me. And no matter what age you are, no matter where you're at in life, don't ever let yourself do this thing in your own power, but just say, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. And then God's Spirit can fill you brand new. And whether you're 16, 56, 66, 76, or 85, whatever it might be, you can say, God, do a work in my life. Brand new. And you know what we say? And this is my bias. I'm just a pastor. God, do a work in our church. Do a work in our church. I'm tired and done about hearing stories of what happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years. I want to see what God's going to do tomorrow. And let it begin in me as I can burn brightly for you. Have you lost your song? Your attitude a little rough? Can your relationships be repaired and operated at an optimum level, be filled afresh and anew with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads together. Seth, I'm going to ask you to come right now, if you will. And I want you to bow your heads together right now. When I came into this church, the first thing I noticed was this altar right here. I bet you over the years, there have been tears at this altar. Been tears. People praying for family members. People praying for neighbors. But tonight I wonder, if there's somebody that say, you know what? Tonight I'm praying for myself. I'm just praying for my own heart. I just need a brand new touch. Yesterday's filling isn't good enough for tomorrow. Yesterday's blessings aren't going to take it for tomorrow. You know what I want to do tonight? I don't know how this works in your church. But I'm just going to open this altar up. Maybe I'd say, you know what, God, I just want you to fill me fresh and anew. I'm going to humble myself. I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, sitting in the back at a conference. And I didn't realize how empty I was. I wasn't the speaker. I was sitting in the back at the end of that service. I thought to myself, Dave, you need a brand new touch. You're running on yesterday's blessings, yesterday's fumes. You need to be filled afresh and anew for the uncharted territory you're headed into. And I confess to you, pride struck up in my heart 
I can't walk down an aisle and kneel. What are people going to think? They're going to think I, I'm an adulterer. I've had some gross sin. And the Lord said, humble yourself, pastor. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And then I wished I wasn't sitting in the back row because I had to walk all the way through everyone and kneel. I'm going to ask for you to stand together right now. Would you do that? Let's just stand. And I'm just going to open this altar. Guess what? I'll be the first one here. Just saying, God, fill me. Fill me afresh and anew. Lead us as we sing, Seth. The altar is open. If you want to come, come on. Let's get serious with him.